All right, so we read together this morning uh, the, the text from Luke's gospel. And here we are today, like many other believers all around the world, uh, the day before Christmas, celebrating the, the greatest event that has ever happened in the history of the world. And that, you know, that's not an exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. That is reality. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened, that, that God, that, that the word would become flesh and dwell among us, as uh, John tells us in his gospel. Uh, but, you know, I want us to think, before we jump into the story, I, I want to look at verses 10 and 11 today. But before we do that, I, I want us to think about just how amazing all of this stuff was for the people that were involved in it. Because, you know, the things that were were happening, the things that were being fulfilled, these were things that were, they were prophesied uh, so long before the events ever occurred. Now, some, some of you know this, but the last prophet uh, who is Malachi, uh, his prophecies were 400 years before the account that we read today. And, and although Malachi does have some uh, messianic references, he, he does reference the, the coming of the Messiah, he doesn't at all speak about the birth of the Messiah. So really, when you look at the, the prophecies concerning the birth of the Messiah, you have to go back 700 years. So think about that for a moment with me. Think about, you know, can you think of anything that happened 700 years ago? I mean, can you think of anything that happened 400 years ago? Uh, we happen to be celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And uh, so some people are aware of that because there's been a lot of talk about it here uh, this year. But, you know, when you stop and think about anything that happened, you know, 400 years ago, it's like, gee, I don't know anything. You know, nothing immediately comes to mind. And so, you know, we have to know that that was kind of the way it would have been for them as well. So when all of these things began to transpire, when the angel showed up and announced to, uh, well, announced to Zachariah at first that uh, his wife Elizabeth was going to have a child and that child was uh, actually going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. And then when that same angel, Gabriel, when he went and he spoke to this young virgin, Mary, and Nazareth told her that she was going to be uh, the mother of the Messiah, all of this would have just been so absolutely uh, astounding. And as we read in our story here today, when the angels appeared to the shepherds and made their announcement to them, th- this would have been like a, like a dream. They, they wouldn't have really uh, understood what, what was going on? Of course, you know, maybe somewhere in the back of their minds, there, there were some distant memories of some of these things being talked about. But, you know, the Davidic kingdom um, and, and all of the glory uh, that Israel once experienced uh, under the, those kings that reigned, all of that was so far back in their history. They were now and had been for centuries under foreign powers, and of course, at this time, they're under the, uh, the, the uh, Roman uh, authority. They're, they're subjected to Rome. So it's in, in that kind of a context that all of these things begin to 
unfold, that a, a virgin it, it actually is going to conceive. Now, Isaiah, the prophet, uh, back 700 years before these events, Isaiah did prophesy that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel. But did you know that there was nobody at the time that these events took place that actually really understood that to be what did happen? They, they would have relegated that to, well, a, a virgin, you know, that means uh, just a young woman. And in, in other words, so, so they weren't really anticipating this stuff. But here's the point. God was faithful, even though nobody was expecting it. Nobody was anticipating it. Uh, most people didn't even you know, believe that these things could really happen, that God was faithful and he brought everything to pass just as he said he would. And so it's a story that goes back centuries. It's an ancient story. Not only the, the, uh, you know, when the events occurred, that was a long time ago, but, but they're the fulfillment of things that, that were promised even further back. But even though it is an ancient story, it is still as relevant and hopeful and applicable uh, today as it was then. And so, as I said, I want to focus on uh, verses 10 and 11, and, and let's look at the message uh, that the angels uh, brought to them. So the angel said to them, speaking to the shepherds, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now the message, so the, the angel says, um, I bring you good tidings of great joy. You know, in the, in the original text, it's, it's interesting because it, it literally reads like this. I, I bring you, um, I, I good news you with good news. That, that's like the, if you literally were to translate it uh, in, you know, from the original language, that's what it would say. I good news you with good news. So just, you know, the fact that the angel is speaking, that in and of itself is good news. But now the message is good news. I bring you good tidings of great joy. So, so this is a message that if it's really understood, and, and think about this, think about how many people, and, you know, perhaps you might even be in this category, but think about how many people have lived through many, many uh, Christmases and yet never really have understood the, the true meaning of Christmas and therefore have never really received the benefit or the blessing of it. Now, when you come to understand the true meaning of Christmas, you know, it, it does become the very thing the angel said. It's good tidings of great joy. It's the kind of news that makes you want to just jump up and spin around. If, if we really stop, and this is where it's important to, um, to try to get some time to think through these things. You know, of course, our lives are so busy. Um, we're, we're inundated with a, a million and one things, and 
with our, uh, the way we do Christmas these days, you know, shopping and all of that stuff. It, it's really hard sometimes to just sit and ponder. But remember, we read here about Mary that she pondered all of these things. And, and we need to do that as well if we're going to derive the, the blessing of, of the joy that's intended. We have to stop and think about this. We, we have to stop and think about who this child was and is. We have to think about all of the ramifications of what he came to do. And as we ponder that, if we're, we're seriously thinking about it and really getting it, it is going to thrill our hearts. It's going to cause everything else, all the difficulty, all the troubles, it's going to cause everything to pale in comparison. And, and that's really what the angel stated to them. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So the Christmas message is, it's a message for everyone. You know, some people think in terms of, um, they think of the gospel, the, the, the Christmas message, Christianity. They think of it in terms of, well, that, you know, that's for a certain um, ethnicity or it's for a certain uh, people from a, a region or, you know, a, a geographical area. For, for example, a lot of people uh, say that, well, Christianity is sort of a European um, religion. It's a, it's a religion for European people. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're from uh, the Middle East or the Far East or, uh, you know, the Southern Hemisphere or something, then it's, it's really not so much for you. This is more of sort of a European thing. I, I, you know, how did that ever happen? I mean, you know, the story takes place, doesn't take place in Paris, right? You know, it's not taking place in London. It's, uh, it's taking place in Israel, the Middle East. But it's a message that is for everyone because the promise that God would send a savior into the world, the, the first real specific promise came to Abraham. And God said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. And he said, and through you, all of the people of the earth will be blessed. So the message here is for all people, every tribe, tongue, people, nation. That's who the message is for. It's not uh, just for one people group or, or one nationality. It's for all people, for rich, for poor, for black, for brown, for white, for religious, for non-religious, for whoever. It's a universal message, in other words. And I want us to see as well that the angel, okay, so the angel's speaking in this uh, place here. He's speaking to shepherds. Now, we could say a number of things about shepherds, but here's the one thing that we all know about shepherds. Shepherds were common people. They were common. It wasn't, uh, you know, you didn't need a PhD to be a shepherd. You, you didn't have to go, uh, you know, off to university and, and study. Uh, if, if you were born into nobility, you weren't going to end up being a shepherd. A shepherd was something that was reserved pretty much for the common person. But the angel is speaking to these shepherds, and he says, for unto you is born this day. 
So you see, the message of the gospel is a universal message. It's for all people. You know, there's, there, there's always this, this thread that's running through history um, where, where people are, are thinking about the marginalized. They're, you know, philosophizing about how we uh, help the poor and how we create a perfect world, uh, a, a utopia, if you will. You know, this, this just kind of goes on over and over and over again uh, throughout history. Uh, but nobody ever really does anything about it. There's a lot of talk about it, but there's very little action. Well, guess what? This is not just talking about it. This is action. Because these shepherds are, are just, you know, they are those people. They are uh, what... The, the Marxists would refer to as the proletariat. It's sort of the, the lowest uh, level of society. And, and it's to them that the angel is speaking and saying that this message is for you. As people, we tend to, uh, inevitably, we tend to put people in categories. We put people, you know, we have class systems and we have uh, different ways of, of putting people in rank and so forth. But uh, with the Lord, the Bible tells us that God is not a respecter of persons, which means that he doesn't show personal favoritism to people because of their state in life. So normally that's what human beings do, right? We give honor to people that we think are worthy of it because of their state in life and other people we just sort of ignore or disregard because we don't feel like they're really um, worth much, but not so with God. And so this angel, and then this host of angels, they come bringing this message, this, this personal message to the common man, to the average guy and girl, that for them, God has something special. And so he says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, now, the city of David, again, we're talking about places and people that had long since sort of lost their significance. Now, now not, not entirely, but uh, especially David, of course, but David would have been looked at, you know, I mean, if we could put it in our context, it's kind of like looking back on George Washington. You know, everybody knows that George Washington was the first president of the United States. And so there's a certain amount of, you know, honor to some degree, you know, that just goes along with, with our thinking about him. Of course, every time you pull out a quarter, you've got his face there. You're reminded of that. That's kind of how David was at the time. David was this great figure, but he lived a thousand years earlier. And Bethlehem was the city that David was from but even at this time, it's still really just kind of a village. And yet the angel says, there, there is born to you this day in the city of David. So what the angel is doing is the angel is pointing them back to all of those promises that God had made and, and basically is showing them that, you know, these were true and they're all happening now. They're all coming to pass. Now, David, for just a moment, uh, let's just talk about David because we mentioned earlier about how Abraham is the means of universal blessing, God says. I'm going to bless you. 
and, and make you a blessing. All the families of the earth are gonna be blessed through you. Now that blessing that God gave to Abraham would be passed to his, it was gonna happen by being passed uh, on to his descendants. So Abraham's son, Isaac, the, the same blessing is repeated to him. And Isaac's son, Jacob, the same blessing is repeated to him. His name is also Israel. And then uh, Jacob or Israel, he has 12 sons. And that specific blessing about the, the whole world being blessed, that is passed to Judah. So Judah is one of the 12 sons. He's the fourth of the 12 sons. But then as time goes on, it becomes clear that David is the one. So David's a descendant of Abraham through Judah. And David is going to be the one through whom these promises are going to be fulfilled. So let me give you a few examples. In um, the, the book of 2 Samuel, which is uh, to a, a large degree the story of, of David's life and experience, it says this in the seventh chapter, the Lord is speaking to David. He says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So you see right there to David, God is promising one of your descendants is going to sit on your throne forever. Now, the, the angel says, there is born to you this day in the city of David. So you see, all of this is, is bringing to their minds, once again, uh, these promises that were given so long ago. The prophet Jeremiah said this. He said, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. But there's also more specifically the prophecy about the, the city of David. Later on, the city of David sort of became Jerusalem. He established his throne in Jerusalem. But the, the historic city of David was Bethlehem. And Micah the prophet, 700 years before these events took place, he said this, but you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, even from eternity. So you see, the angel is saying, basically, everything that was previously said, the things that maybe they remembered hearing as perhaps children, all of these things are being fulfilled tonight, just exactly as it was told by the prophets in the very place that they said it would happen in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. And so what's happened there? He said, for there is born to you this day a savior who is Christ the Lord. A savior who is Christ the Lord. And we wanna look at those three things specifically. So the first thing we're told about the child that is born is that he is a savior. He is a, a savior or a deliverer or a rescuer, or you could even understand it as, as uh, a, a champion or a hero, somebody to champion the cause that we need to have championed. And, and that, that first thing there is that of saving us. Uh, th this past week on Twitter, 
Timothy Keller, he, he tweeted this. It, it's, he said, said this. He said, Jesus didn't come primarily to solve the economic, political, and social problems of the world. He came to forgive our sins. Now, believe it or not, this caused a lot of like pushback on uh, Twitter. If you're familiar with Twitter, you know that's a place where everybody just fights. And uh, so a lot, lot of... <laughs> A lot of disputing going on over this. But people were offended by the fact that, that Keller said that Jesus came primarily to forgive our sins. They felt that that was reductionistic. They felt like, well, that, that wasn't really enough. And he responded back and said, well, look, I didn't say he didn't come to do anything else, but I said primarily this is what he came to do. And, and this is the truth. You see, if we, if we get offended by that, that Jesus came to primarily forgive sins, it's because we don't know what the real problem is. Jesus came primarily as a savior, saving us from our sins. That's where it starts. Because all of the other things, whether they are economic or political or social, they all stem from the, the problem of sin. Sin is the root problem, and these other things are the, the bad fruit that come from that root. And so the angel says, first and foremost, that there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. That's where he starts. There, there's born a Savior because that is what we need. And you know that people, even today, uh, completely secular people looking around at the insanity of the world that we live in, people are starting to recognize that, you know, we need something. We need some help. Uh, recently, uh, in, in an interview, um, Ben Affleck said, uh, said some things that are just absolutely amazing in regard to this. So in referencing the film, uh, the Justice League, you know, the Justice League is the all the superheroes coming together and Ben Affleck plays uh, Batman in that. And so he was in an interview, uh, he said this, he said, we certainly need, or we are certainly in need of heroes in 2017. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world from natural to man-made disasters. And it's really scary. Part of the appeal of this genre is wish fulfillment. And now listen to this. Wouldn't it be nice if there was someone who could save us from all this? Save us from ourselves. Save us from the consequences of our actions and save us from people who are evil. Well, it would be nice. And guess what, Ben Affleck? There is someone who actually has done this. That's the... You know, that's the amazing. I mean, can you get any more like specific as to what Jesus did? It's like, wow, we, we got to get this message to Ben, you know, <laughs> you know, find him on Twitter or, or Facebook or something. Let him know. Hey, you know, there, there is an answer to this, but, but it's interesting. I, and I think the, the thing that's interesting to me is he, you know, he's obviously being very candid. He's obviously, you know, uh, got his guard down. He's kind of burying his, his own soul. You know, he's talking about uh, the world being a scary place. We need, we need a savior. We need a hero. We need a champion. And that's exactly what we have in Jesus. And so in Jesus, we have the good news 
that there is someone who has come to save us and he saves us now individually, personally, but he's going to bring salvation on a universal level. You know, some people dismiss Jesus because they say, well, you know, what did Jesus really do? He didn't do anything. Wasn't he supposed to save the world? Wasn't he supposed to bring about a kingdom of peace? Jewish people say that. Jewish people reject Jesus as the Messiah because in their mind, the Messiah is gonna bring in a kingdom of peace. Jesus didn't bring in a kingdom of peace. He's not, he's not the Messiah, they say. But listen, he's not finished yet. And, and what he started with is he started with individuals because all of the world's problems stem back to the problems that are in the hearts of individual people. That's what's happening. That's why the world is messed up, because we're messed up. And Jesus came to fix us, to save us from our sins. And so because our problems are rooted in the fact that we, by nature, what it means to be a sinner is it means that I've uh, broken God's laws and I'm therefore disconnected from God. And I live in a place of separation from God and I, I'm actually living in revolt to God's rule. And that makes for an unpleasant life experience in, in the, you know, just the sense of my relationships with people and priorities and those kinds of things. But the Savior, Jesus as the Savior, he came to do away with our sins. And in taking away our sins, he brings us to God. He reconciles us to God. We begin to live in a relationship that we were intended to be in from the very beginning. We begin to live the way God wants us to live, the way he created us to live. And guess what? Life gets better, much better. It improves. Your life improves personally. And then the people around you, their lives begin to improve because your life improves. Because you used to be a drug addict and you used to live for those drugs and yourself and you used to trample everybody around you so you could just live for your addiction or, or alcohol or whatever, or just generally speaking, just selfishness. And when you meet the Savior and your sins are forgiven, that changes, so that changes everything. It, it changes you, but it changes the environment around you. And one day, as I said, that is going to happen universally. But right now, God is doing this on a personal level because the world is made up of personal, you know, beings, human beings, individuals. God's doing that now, but there's a day when he is going to um, do it universally. And that's where the second word comes in, the Christ. The Christ, um, Christ means anointed, and uh, another word is Messiah. I've already used that word. So for Jewish people, Messiah is a more common word because that comes from the Hebrew, Mashiach, which is uh, the anointed one. So we take it from the translation into the Greek, Christos, so Christ. But when you're talking about the Christ, you're talking about the Messiah, you're talking about the same thing. So when we think of the messianic promises, this is where the bigger picture then comes into focus. So Jesus comes as savior. It's a personal thing first, but then we come to the bigger picture. And 
let me just read to you one of the most familiar Christmas prophecies that we have coming from Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ. He said this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And once again, he will sit upon the throne of David. He will rule over uh, David's house and all of the earth and the promises that God in his zeal, he's going to bring all of this to pass. So you see, this is where we see uh, the work of Jesus projected out into the future. So he comes as savior. He's saving us individually. But as the Messiah, he is going to then apply that salvation broadly and universally. And it's not, a, it's not only going to set up the perfect government. It will not only result in a doing away of that whole political thing that we all look at and think, oh, that's just disgusting. I was talking to a friend last night who's actually a senator, and he was asking me about some things that are kind of currently going on in my own experience. And as I described it to him, he looked at me and he said, oh, so it's politics, huh? I said, yeah, you know a little bit about those, don't you? But you know, when we think of politics, usually that's like a, it's kind of a bad word, isn't it, these days? Has been maybe for a while. So Jesus is going to get rid of all that stuff. He's going to be the righteous one who rules. But it's not just that. As, as nice as that's going to be, his rule is also going to impact all of nature. It's going to impact the, the whole of the world, the whole of the, uh, the created order, basically. So there in... Let me just walk you through real quick. So Isaiah, Isaiah is really the, the, prophet, the prophet of the Messiah. Um, and more prophecies about the first coming of the Messiah than any other prophet. So Isaiah seven fourteen, the prophecy of the virgin bearing a son, his name being called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9, we just read it. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. Now, as you go on chapters 10 and chapter 11, you go further into the work of the Messiah or the things that he will accomplish. So chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, listen to this. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, Jesse is David's father. So sometimes the Messiah will be referred to with a connection back to Jesse because of the, the connection to David. So that's what's being talked about here, a shoot. Just imagine a little, uh, a little a stump and then a little green sprout coming up. That's what a shoot is, coming out of the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruits. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. And now listen to this. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. 
the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child shall put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, the Messiah, will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. So when the angel says, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ, that's what they understood. The Christ has come. The one who's going to cause uh, the, the lion to eat straw like the ox. The one who's going to reverse the effects of the fall and bring rest to the people. But then he takes it one step further. He's the Savior. He's the Christ. But then he adds this. He is the Lord. And now the Lord, when we think of Lord, we, we should think of uh, the deity. And, and that's exactly what's being referred to here. In the Old Testament, you have uh, Lord. Lord is used in two different ways uh, because there's two Hebrew words. There's the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord like a ruler. And many times that's used of God. But then in our Old Testament, we also have the word Lord. And whenever you have the word Lord and it's spelled with all capitals, that is the name of God. And that is, I think, Yahweh is probably the best way to understand that. So when they wanted uh, to take Yahweh and, trans and, and put it in the New Testament, they, they used a Greek word, kurios, and that's the word here. So for these shepherds, for the, as, as this announcement was made and for future generations, what the angel wanted us to understand is the Savior, the Messiah, is the Lord. It's the Lord. It, it's, this is the, the astounding thing about Christmas. We're talking about God. God the Son. The Bible teaches that God is triune. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all equal with one another. Christmas is that God the Son took upon himself a human body. He became a human being. He is the Lord uh, who became flesh. God uh, became a man. And one writer put it this way. He said, we cannot give any but the highest meaning to that sacred name, which could have but one meaning to a Jew. It was much that there was born a savior, much that there was born a Messiah, but that last word, the Lord, crowns the wonder and the blessing while it lays the only possible foundation for the other two names. If on the one hand, man's savior must be man, on the other, he must be more than man. And nothing short of a divine man can heal the wounds of mankind or open a fountain of blessing sufficient for their needs. Unless God become man, there can be no savior nor can there be any Christ. For no mere human can bear the gift of the divine spirit, which is Messiah's anointing for the office, nor discharge that office in all its depth and breadth. The Lord. 
He is the Lord. And, and uh, Charles Wesley put it like this so beautifully. He, he put it like in, in that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. See, it's God. He's veiled in flesh. He comes as a, as a human being. Hail the incarnate deity. So there he's putting in this very poetic uh, manner. He's, he's expressing these great truths. Please with man, or pleased with men as man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, Jesus our God who is with us. And so that is the message. These are the good tidings of great joy. And as the, the angel announced this to the shepherds, here's the important thing. They did something with the message. They didn't merely marvel at it. They didn't merely look at one another and say, wow, that was, that was fascinating. Okay, let's get back to the sheep. No, they said, let's go. Let, let's go to Bethlehem and let's, let's see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. And they went and they told Joseph and Mary all that the angel had said. But you see, that's the thing. They, they responded. They did something. And as we close today, this is the, the question that, that I want you to consider. Have you responded to this? Because it's entirely possible to have lived your whole life uh, celebrating Christmas every year and going through all of the things and, uh, you know, having the, the, all the decor and the, the presents and, and even even to acknowledge or recognize that, you know, Jesus is part of this thing, or even to recognize that Jesus is the reason for this season. It's, it's possible to do that, but yet at the same time, to have not really, truly, personally received the Savior yourself. And, and if that's the case, don't, don't, let that don't let that go by. This is for you, for unto you is born this day. And this is for me. This is for us. It's a, it's a personal thing. And the tragedy is that so many people, and, and literally millions of people tomorrow will celebrate through, and people are doing it today, you know, through going to services and all of that. But for them, they know the information, but it's never become a, a reality in their own hearts. They've, they've never really met the Lord. They might just... You know, you could even have a sort of an emotional experience about it. You know, the older I get, I, I kind of get more emotional. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm like watching Elf yesterday and kind of breaking down. Like, you know, oh, <laughs> Buddy and his dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so sweet, you know. But, you know, you can, you can look at this. And I, I said this last week. You know, you can sentimentalize all of this stuff. It can, it can touch you in a way like, oh, gosh, that's so sweet, and a baby, and came in a, you know, a, a, a manger, a feeding trough, and oh, you know, all that, that that's so wonderful. It is. <coughs> but if it doesn't become yours personally, you miss out entirely on what it's really all about. So today, if, if that's you, don't let another Christmas pass you by without 
meeting the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He came for you to save you from your sin, to have your sins could be forgiven. You could be reconciled to God, have a whole new life. You know, some people say, well, you know, that Savior, I don't know. I don't really know if I'm a sinner. You are. Take my word for it. Just ask the people around you. They'll, they'll tell you. <laughs> We're all sinners. Some people say, well, maybe I'm a sinner, but I don't know if I'm that bad. You're, you're worse than you think, really. <laughs> we all are. God knows, but he loves us. And that's why Jesus came. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So open your heart. Receive him. And what a, what a great time to do it, right? So, Father, we thank you for this wonderful story. Lord, to hear it again, to be reminded of those events that happened so long ago, but that are just totally relevant this hour, because you sent the Savior, the Messiah, who is the Lord, your Son, Jesus, into this world. And Lord, how we thank you that we are not without hope today. Thank you, Lord, that we are not without joy today. Thank you, Lord, that we're not without peace. And thank you, Lord, as we even consider those things that uh, we read from Ben, Lord, if there was just somebody that could do that stuff for us, thank you, Lord, that you did it. And you're going to even do it universally. And so, Lord, may every heart be opened and prepare room for you today. And Lord, as we go uh, and join together with family and friends and all of that, Lord, may we, may we have time to ponder just minutes here and there, just to think about these great and glorious things. So we thank you, Jesus, that you came and saved us. We thank you, Lord, that that salvation will one day, it'll stretch across the heavens and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. Oh, we can't wait. We thank you now. Amen.